0: Bloody Elbow presents the sixth round post-fight show, which gives you an event rundown and full analysis of the bouts that took place on the current weekend's UFC event, complete with hot takes, possible next fights, and reactions to the overall card. Paid Bloody Elbow Podcast Substack subscribers will hear bonus content, if available, at the end of the broadcast. Be sure to subscribe at bloodyelbow.substack.com for our newsletter, and at bloodyelbowpodcast.substack.com for our podcast network. Follow us on Twitter at BloodyElbow, Facebook at Facebook.com slash BloodyElbowBlog, and as always, on BloodyElbow.com. Thanks for listening. Here are your Bloody Elbow fight analysts.
1: What's up, everyone? Welcome to the sixth round post-fight show for UFC Fight Night, Strickland vs. Magomedov. I'm your host. Uh, filling in for Zane Simon, who, of course, is off Narfling the Garthok as... He does from time to time, but uh, joining me is none other than the Dane Fox. The Dane Fox, what's up, man?
2: Not a whole lot, Eddie. Always uh, good to join you and listen to your uh, sultry voice do its thing. So rather than just listening, I get a pop in every now and
1: then. That's always nice. Yeah, I feel like it's been a minute since we've done one of these. It has. It has. You've been uh, you've been taking care of yourself, kicking ass, taking names, all that stuff.
2: As much as I can, uh, I feel like at this point my daughter kicks my ass more than anything. But
1: <laughs> right on. Well, uh, pretty good fight night of cards, I gotta say. Uh, I mean, I think we were kind of spoiled here with the amount of first round finishes we got. That's not us- That's not the norm for a UFC card. But I, I feel like. This one kind of this was one of those over producers. I feel like we haven't gotten one that really overproduced. One of them underwhelming cards that overproduced like this one did.
2: You know, and it, it wasn't just the fact that there were a bunch of first round finishes. Uh, there were a lot of upsets on the card too.
1: Yeah, true, 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 true. Definitely fun. People made a lot of money. Probably a lot of parlays got busted up. Uh, well, well, let's get right into uh, the main event. You know, longtime ranked UFC middleweight Sean Strickland TKOs Abus Magomedov in the second round. Um, didn't necessarily come easy. Had to overcome a rough opening stanza there. He got uh, poked in the eye. I mean, moments into the fight. Took a long time to recover. Decided to gut through it, um, and Abus brought he brought it in that opening round. But come round two, man. the pressure of Sean Strickland it just it, it avalanched on a boost and and you know he he wilted. he couldn't maintain the pace he had in the first round, couldn't keep Strickland off him and uh, he got taken out, man.
2: Uh, masterful performance uh, from Strickland uh everybody likes to think of him as a meathead given some of the controversial things that he tends to say in press conferences Yeah,
1: no <laughs> Dude, what are you talking about he just got done saying he's trying to bring morals back to america come on now if you're if your moral compass isn't pointed at sean strickland what are you doing
2: well <laughs> uh, more what i'm getting at you know like he he plays the idiot he he says things that he knows will get attention um, and so a lot of people kind of expect him to just kind of be a meathead in the cage, but in all honesty, that was a very intelligent game plan. Uh, he seemed to know that Magomedov was going to come hard out of the gate, uh, anticipated it because in the first round, it, you know, his stance was almost the entirety of the round defensive, just anticipating Magomedov throwing whatever he wants to do at him. And so he was shelling up, kind of absorbing whatever Magomedov threw and, he anticipated turning it up uh, come the turn of the round. He started a little early, right at the very end of the first round, but like you said, he, he just pressured him to the point where Malcolm Medoff cracked late in the second round. Uh, masterful performance from Strickland in that sense.
1: Yeah, I guess the Peter Pan kicks weren't, weren't quite working out for Magomedov, as uh, Sean Strickland put it. Did you hear that?
2: Uh, yeah, <laughs> I, I don't know if I would have called them Peter Pan kicks. Uh, I definitely would have called them ouch, but uh, you know what? Strickland's a different cat.
1: Yeah, no, he is. And, I mean, this was supposed to be a mismatch, right? You got Magomedov not in the rankings. He's only had one UFC fight. Uh, coming from the PFL, where he did well but got knocked out by Lewis, put the guns down Taylor in in the the tournament finals, so missed out on that million dollar payday. And uh, this was a huge opportunity for him. Um, but man, Sean's that's a that's a tall order. Sean Strickland is no joke. And like you were saying, um, you know, he may give this appearance that he is maybe not the sharpest knife in the drawer. But technically speaking, um he is traditionally extremely conservative. Yep. I mean, getting more than a one-two out of this guy is pretty rare. if you look over, you know, his body of work. He's he's a super fundamental one-twos, 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 um, unless he's showing his ass, which happens from time to time. Um but this wasn't that. This was this was him taking this fight extremely serious. It 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 seemed like very serious out there. No, no dicking around, no games. I don't even think he was trash talking out there. So uh man, what a what an elite performance for Sean Strickland. And that eye poke was nasty.
2: Yeah, yeah. Is it just me or does it seem like there's been a higher uh percentage of serious eye pokes going around like I don't know, like uh uh strickland's teammate well i suppose that wasn't necessarily an eye poke that was a head collision with cliff curtis but or cliff curtis i always say that because of the actor chris curtis <laughs> ah but yeah yeah uh, that was a nasty eye poke glad that it didn't uh uh have the coward come out of strickland even though it almost did in his words but um yeah overcame that which makes his win even that much more impressive like he said at the end he was still seeing double which i'm not surprised like you said that was a deep eye poke it was
1: and strickland proved that he is one of the very best at 185 pounds called for a a title shot uh, with the win and you know there's there's a little bit of a line going on with the title um but what would you do? What would you do with Sean Strickland if if you're a UFC matchmaker? Where do you who do you put him against next?
2: Strickland is one of the toughest ones to figure out because um, you know, like you said, with regard to Magomedov, not in the rankings, uh, only has a single UFC win on his record. Uh, I mean, hell, he doesn't even have a Wikipedia page, um, so it's hard to say that this really moves Strickland up in the line at all. Um, we we do have uh, Duplessis fighting. Whitaker next week. I would say if Duplessis wins that, he should be the obvious choice to, to fight Adesanya next. Um, so I, I don't think I would have Strickland fighting for the title quite yet, but there really aren't a lot of options uh, as far as people who haven't faced Adesanya. So uh, I don't know. This one's been hard for me to figure out. Uh, but what are your thoughts, Mom?
1: Uh, well, he, he's already faced a lot of people there. He hasn't faced Marvin Vittori, but he's coming off a loss.
2: I think he's um, budged with Vittori too, though.
1: I don't think he really cares about that, does he? <laughs> <laughs> he might not. I think Paulo Costa would be fantastic.
2: Yeah. Uh, it, who is it that Costa's facing that? It's, it's not his of it's... Another one of those Russians that's that hasn't been around very long.
1: Oh, is Costa booked?
2: Costa is booked. I just okay. can't remember who it is right now.
1: Mm. Yeah, I mean, there's only a couple options. I mean, unless Strickland's willing to take continue to take fights like this, you know, if it's if it's a struggle to get him booked and he wants to just keep getting showcases to kind of pat his highlight reel a little bit. I'm fine with that. I mean, the dude's got a ton of decisions on his record, you know, and he, he, he's known for more excitement outside of the cage than inside of the cage. I think that might be fair.
2: Okay, so, all right, Costa is booked against Ikram Alaskarov at the end of the month. Um, I, I know he's coming up a loss, but I think it would be a lot of fun to see what he could do with Roman DeLidze. Especially given Lidze had a competitive fight with
1: Vittori. Yeah, I could see that. And, and uh, Vittori's the same thing. He's coming off a loss. Yeah. And he's already fought cannoneer. Although that was extremely close. A lot of people think he won that. Um man. Yeah, it's, it's Bobby, hard to know what to do because this do this win doesn't do anything for him, really. Do you do you Bobby Knuckles him?
2: Uh there's a lot of people that think Bobby Knuckles should get a third shot at Adesanya. Should he beat DuPlessis. I, I think, I, yeah, I think I would rather see Whitaker and Strickland fight. Uh, should Whitaker beat DuPlessis rather than see a third match with Adesanya? Just, I don't think the first two contests were close enough
1: to to really warrant seeing a third fight. At least not yet. No, I mean, well, the merit with Whitaker is him just wiping out everybody else, right? Yeah, very true. Very true. All right. Either way, Strickland, very few options to go from here. Um, as far as Magomedov, uh, you know, second UFC fight ever. He had a huge opportunity. He took it. It didn't work out. Not the end of the world. Um, but
0: uh, hey, he
2: yeah, looked good for a round. He didn't embarrass himself by any means in, in that time. Uh I think it's obvious he belongs in the UFC. But, yeah, like you said, it's it was a, a long shot for him. I don't blame him for taking it. But, yeah,
1: hard to say where he goes from here, too. He's fun, though. Kind of one of those kill or be killed kind of guys. Absolutely. And always entertaining. All right, let's move to the co-main event of the evening. One of the biggest surprises for me, honestly. Grant Dawson taking a unanimous decision over Demir Ismagulov. One of those rounds uh, scored 10-8 by uh, two judges, I believe. No, just one. One judge gave it a 10-8. Either way, a- insanely dominant ground performance uh, from Dawson. The complete blanketing of Ismagulov, who we saw struggle against Saryukian, but this was a, this was a whole other level but once Dawson got to the back, that's where the fight stayed. Uh, Demir just he he never addressed the body triangle and was spent most of his time uh, protecting his neck and trying to prevent <laughs> strangulation. So pretty much defensive for most of the fight. He had a couple moments on the feet, but this was one way traffic for Grant Dawson here.
2: Uh, yeah. Um... You know, you mentioned how Ismagulov did not look great against uh, Um but some some you know some would probably point out that Sarukian... well, Sarukian scored seven takedowns against Ismagulov. Dawson only got three. That's because once Dawson took him down, he was not getting back up. Sarukian so, struggled to keep him down. That wasn't the case with Dawson. It like you said, it was entirely defensive for Ismagulov the entire fight. Uh, this was easily the best version of Grant Dawson that we have seen. Um, it, yeah, yeah I'm, I'm 100% with you. You said that it was kind of a surprise because Dawson's been around for a minute. Uh, he, he's kind of been uh, seeming to be stuck in neutral. He was in full acceleration mode tonight.
1: Yeah, no kidding. Just as dominant as you can be. He was, this was such a stunning that Dawson put isma guloff in a full fucking nelson (laughs) a full nelson and like looks back at his corner and cheeses out like complete sunning who does that
2: i can't say that i can remember the last time that happened so no that's that's an excellent
1: point it's like that might be that's that's a move of the night right there that should be on sports center top 10 plays in my opinion
2: yeah that's that's like uh Nate Diaz uh, flexing when he has Kurt Pellegrino in uh, the in the triangle.
1: Yeah. Yep, yep, yep. Definitely a cool moment. Um, which, but in an otherwise, dare I say, boring fight?
2: <laughs> it, it was boring, but at, at the same time, because nobody was expecting this from Dawson, because it was so dominant, it, it was still something that I was kind of mesmerized by just because it's like, wow, I did not see this coming. Dawson looks like he is the real deal
1: you know he's arrived yeah i mean that's a that's a very specific skill set that you gotta you gotta deal with you know if you can't if you can't defend someone on your back if you can't fight that body triangle if if you can't you know pre, uh, defend against the rear naked choke you are in hot water against uh, mr grant dawson you, you you gotta you gotta take him out on the feet Ismagulov was landing some really good punches there to start the second round, but I mean, once Dawson was in on his hips, it was over. It was a wrap. So it, it was great to see. Um, he's going to move up. He he should get a, a big name here. He's asking for either Tony Ferguson or Benil Dariush, which ugh, he'll probably get neither. Although Dariush might take that fight uh, after a while. He's coming off a pretty bad loss. But um, I wouldn't be opposed to that at all.
2: Uh, I'd be fine with seeing him against Dariush. Uh, I have no interest in seeing him against Ferguson. Uh, no. Ferguson's, Ferguson's booked right now as it is. Um, I, I was thinking uh, Saruki and Hergamra would probably be more realistic options. Um Probably Gamrot, because I think Sarukian has been trying to circle Darius at this point. uh, And Gamrot has already fought Darius. So I think Gamrot's probably the most likely um, name uh, for him at this point.
1: (sighs) No, that's fantastic. That's an excellent matchup. Um, Even Dan Hooker. I think Hooker's
2: worked as well. What's he doing? See here. I know that I was looking through matchups not that long ago and I came across his and I was like, Oh yeah, he is fighting. Give me a second. I'm looking at it right now. Dan Hooker, Jalen Turner. Uh
1: next week. Oh. Oh that's brilliant. That's what's up. Maybe the winner of that.
2: Oh yeah, no, that would be a fun one.
1: Well, there it is. (laughs) <laughs> um but yeah just dominant Dawson here doing his thing um shocked that he was able to be this dominant against someone like Ismagulov so you know hats off to him and he had names ready he had two options so i, I like i like the call out might not get him but at least at least he's trying yeah yeah Play, no, playing uh, to his strengths we'll say you know, and, and good
2: good mic work you know i mean I don't want to be the one to call his wife a bitch, but he's comfortable with it.
1: Yeah, that was wild, but hey. um, (laughs) You know, uh, not the worst thing we've seen uh, someone in the UFC do to their wife, I guess. So
2: Uh, That's one way to
1: put it. Leave it at that and move on. (laughs) Uh, All right, let's go to the welterweight division. Undefeated prospect, Michael Morales, taking a... Unanimous and dominant decision over Max Griffin. Well, pretty much dominant. He dropped the first round. But man, the second, the third, Whew. credit to Griffin for being as tough as he is because he ate some ridiculous shots. I mean some some of the stiffest counter and Morales is huge for 170. Like he looks like a middle way out there. And Griffin ate the shots and kept coming, never stopped trying. But, dude, Morales is the truth.
2: Uh, yeah, uh, Morales' performance kind of reminds me of of what Strickland did. Morales just kind of uh, waited and watched what Griffin was doing in the first round, kind of getting his reads on him. Um, and after the first round, he was very explosive, just going at Griffin full bore. And like you said, I, I thought that Griffin was going to be out. Uh, after Morales first hurt him early in the second round. But Griffin was able to hang in there, uh, had a few uh, offensive moments of his own at that time. But beyond that, he was just completely overwhelmed by the much bigger and more athletic Morales. Uh, (sighs) Morales is going to be a problem for a bunch of people going forward.
1: What impressed me the most, I think, is his composure, I mm-hmm. mean, just right away, he he looked like he's been fighting in the UFC for years. He was so calm, so relaxed, um, very decisive, wasn't biting on a lot of feints, just seemed just seemed tremendously comfortable out there against Griffin's been around the block. Like He's mm-hmm. fought he's fought plenty of of, you know, uh, of mainstays in the UFC and for Morales to come in. At what is he? 24, 24 yes. years old, and just outclass Max Griffin. Max Griffin for two out of three rounds. I mean, that's that's one of the brightest prospects I think we have at 170.
2: Yes, absolutely. Um, I, I got Jack Delamaterina at the very top, and then for the most part, everybody else. But Morales is separating himself from that pack for sure.
1: Yeah, I can't wait to see what they do with him next. Another thing that impressed me was his ability to stop the takedowns. When he did get taken down, he sprung right back to his feet and just refused uh, refused to go down. Even though Griffin had really well-timed entries, got in under his hips, he was able to uh, get wide legs up against the cage and and just be stubborn. So he seems pretty complete. You know, and there
2: was there was that switch in the third round as well. Ooh, ooh, oh, yes. God, that was beautiful. Yeah.
1: Ooh. Yeah. It's, it's rare to see the switch actually hit off, uh, pulled off nowadays. I feel like at the in the UFC. But when it works, man, that is that's one of the prettiest tech, techniques in wrestling, in my opinion.
2: Uh, yeah. Yeah. No, I, I I almost get the feeling that uh, Griffin would have been less embarrassed had somebody pants him in the cage. That was just Wow. You, you never, like you said, you never see that anymore.
1: Morales was even showboating at times; he was feeling uh, yeah. himself, and rightfully so. This was, uh, uh, yes, this was an ass whooping. All right, let's move to the women's flyweight division. Ariana Lipsky taking a close split decision over Melissa Gatto. Ah, oh, I, I, I enjoyed this fight. This was, this was a technical chess match that. Um, kind of felt like it It just fell short of exploding. Like, it, it was boiling, bubbling, but just never quite reached its full potential. Uh, and it, it was sticky at times, and I feel like the judging could have been either way here because of that. When when you get such, like, that opening round was so close, and it's real just tit-for-tat, and no one's really able to take over, It's you can't really be mad you know, when you, when you get a split decision here, because this could go either way. So robbery, I don't think so. Close fight. Absolutely.
2: Oh yeah. No, there, there was absolutely no way that this was a robbery. Uh, The the first two rounds were, were very close. Um, The third round I feel like was the only clear round of the fight. Lipsky took that one. Um, And even though I completely understand that's not how scoring should work uh i I'm glad to see that when the when there's two close rounds that the fighter who scored the definitive round ends up getting their hand raised so
1: sure um i I thought the second round was pretty definitive for gato in my personal opinion, but I guess one of the judges actually gave it to Lipsky as well
2: i I gave it to gatto myself i'm I'm with you I thought that sh- her uh volume outweighed uh the heavier shots of Lipsky but there's no doubt that Lipski was handy. Blah, was landing the heavier artillery throughout the fight.
1: Yeah, I loved how how even this fight was. Um, just both fighters just have really clean technique, uh, mm-hmm. as opposed to kind of what we've seen huh, earlier on the prelims. Uh, this is this was just pretty high level MMA here. Um. Yeah. It was, I guess it was better than I was expecting it to be. Well,
2: yeah, because you know Lipsky comes into the UFC, the queen of violence, and then she just kind of she didn't fizzle out, but she certainly fizzled. And I think at that point we all just kind of said, okay, Lipsky's going to do Lipsky things. And the last two fights, she's looked more like the queen of violence than she ever had in her previous two or in her previous uh, UFC. In her earlier UFC run, I am struggling with words tonight. Mm-hmm.
1: You've been you've been drinking, Dane, without me. No comment. <laughs> uh, man, yeah, it, this was fun. This was a lot of fun for me. I think uh, I kind of I would have been fine if this went five rounds. To be completely honest with you, I know it wasn't wasn't exceptional, but I feel like we didn't really get a good answer here.
2: Uh, well, if, with uh, with women's fights, you, you'll You'll get a mixed bag in the sense that sometimes uh, you get something like this, but other times, and we'll get to it later uh, with the Carolina uh, fight, it it can be kind of a a slop fest. This was not that at all. So I'm 100% with you in the sense that this was a fun fight to watch uh, just due to the the technical uh, prowess of both participants.
1: Uh, uh, Definitely worthy of the main card.
2: 100%.
1: All right, so before that, one of the biggest upsets of the night, if not the biggest upset of the night, or uh Benoit Saint-Denis, did I say that right?
2: Sounds right to me.
1: pulls off a rear naked choke on Ismail Bonfim uh Bonfim huge huge betting favorite coming into this. I mean, it was something astronomical and uh he shit to bed.
2: <laughs> yes. Absolutely. No, I it, when the fight opened, you know, he he goes out for the explosive move, doesn't get it, and then he just stands there, taunt St. Saint Denis, telling him to kick him. So Saint Denis does. obliged. And I'm just like, Oh god, he's he he's he's disrespecting him, he's not taking him serious. And that right there should have been a big red flag, uh that things were not gonna go well for Bonfien. I mean, you know, you, you compare the, the way that Strickland approached Magomedov complete respect he walked out with his hand raised Bonfim didn't
1: yeah yeah the the egging on and i mean <laughs> Saint-Denis was spamming body kicks i mean spamming them like mm-hmm. a video game and i i, I don't know i don't, I don't think uh, encouraging more is the best defense out there and there wasn't really he wasn't he wasn't um enticing him to do it again because he had a counter waiting on him. I think he was just pissed and didn't know what else to do. Uh,
2: Yeah. I, I don't know if it was an intimidation tactic or what. I I don't think St. Denis is the type of guy to get intimidated. I mean, we all remember the the ass whooping that he experienced from uh, Dos Santos and he didn't back down from that. You're not going to intimidate this guy. Um, But yeah, St. Denis just, Continued to go at him, marched him down, got the takedown, and I, I get, I, to me, it looked like Bonfim had a little bit of an adrenaline drop. You know, he just rushes out there, so intense, um, and just couldn't deal with the the pressure of Saint Denis late in the round, gave up the takedown, and
1: ended up getting choked out. And we talked about he got rocked right before he was taken down, so he was hurt when he was down. He was not making good decisions on the ground.
2: No, no, he was not. He was not, but yeah. I he, there just seemed to be a drop in his energy level from the early part of it. Like I said, he, he he came out so intense, just encouraging him, keep kicking me, keep kicking me. And it looked like he was just going for the kill shot the entire time. You know? Uh, not a not a good performance from Bob Fien. Um I think he's still got a bright future. But Sure. He's yeah. fun. A lot of fun. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely.
1: But Saint Denis was looking, looking like a French John Fitch out there.
2: <laughs> I, I haven't heard that comparison, but I totally get where you're coming from with that. You know, he's he's just a, he's found a home at lightweight. He's he is uh, incredibly strong at 155, um, able to be the bully there, uh, and and that's exactly what he did with Bonfim.
1: And then on the microphone, who does he call out? Gamrot, Fiziev, and Saryukian. Damn, dude. He's like, he's begging for an ass whooping. I love it. To, to his
2: credit, I, I see what he's doing. You know, he wants to fight in, in uh, his home homeland of France, uh, and it's going to be hard to convince somebody with a, a big name from the States or Canada to, to go overseas and take that fight. So, if he's going to get that fight, that that's absolutely the best way to do it, but I don't think it's going to happen.
1: Yeah, those are hard matches to get booked for uh for several reasons. Mainly, number one being that those guys get uh booked against better competition. <laughs> <laughs> right? I, he, just I don't know. Bit.
2: Maybe he saw uh, what happened with boost, Magomedov and just thought, hey, I can do the same thing.
1: Well, you got to be careful with uh, what you ask for, I guess. <laughs> but huge upset here. Definitely cool to see. Didn't waste any time. This was... One of several first round finishes uh, we got here, and cool way to um, did this kick off the card? Kicked off the main card, yes sir. Okay, yeah, or no, it didn't. No, no, this was. Oh, I thought you were leading into the next fight. Oh uh, yeah, I meant that. That's what I was saying. <laughs> That's my segue, my clunky segue into the main card opener. Oh man, you know what, Dane? Uh, I'm going to let you announce the winner of this fight here. Go for it. Take it away. Uh, Nursleton
2: Shh,
1: yeah There it is.
2: I, yeah, as close as I'm going to get it. Uh, can we call him Nursey?
1: Go for it. I won't, but you, <laughs> you are more than welcome.
2: Uh, yeah, I've already had a few UFC fighters yell at me on Twitter. Might as well get one more. Um, <laughs> but no, um again it the fight only lasted a minute 17 seconds but it's hard not to be impressed with what we saw out of uh out of that um he's been fighting a lot over the last decade he's i think i think this was his 47th professional fight um so very impressive in that sense uh, that we had never heard of him for the most part <laughs> coming into this fight. That he'd been around that long, that he fought that much. Comes in, he's six foot five. Right. Fajera is only five ten, and Ruzabov used that to his advantage masterfully. You know, as soon as the fight started, he was using his range, giving Fajera fits in that sense. Waited for a uh, low kick from Fajera and just perfectly countered it. Used his reach to, because to, uh, it, it's not easy to counter a kick like that with a punch, uh, uh, with the type of power that had landed, and it just floored him. Like, if Ahera wasn't out cold from that punch, he was on his way to being out, out there. And Rusevov just followed it up with a couple of a uh, couple more punches and murder. She wrote, man.
1: Yeah, this was wild. This is another upset. Fahera was at least a minus two hundred betting favorite, I believe, going into this. Yes. And man, this this looked like a mismatch when you see it in the cage because Ruzaboev is so freaking tall and long and lanky. Um, but I, I picked Fahara here because I I didn't know what to expect out of Rusevboev. If you if you look at his record, I mean, the dude's been can crushing. Exactly.
2: Right? Yeah, like, I didn't recognize the name that he had beaten.
1: And when you click on the names, like the last four guys that he beat, were came into the fight on a loss. So his strength of schedule was was a big question mark for me. And it's not like in Fajera he only had ten fights coming in, so I wasn't sure. I just didn't trust Rusevov yet. He had to, he had to prove something to me. And damn I mean, it, he did it because this was this was an insane counter knockout.
2: Yeah, yeah. Um, I still don't think Fajera's a bum. You know, I mean, you don't be Gregory Rodriguez and, and be a bum. Right. But I, 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 you know, we talk about how uh, uh, matchups make fights, and I, I think that the reach of Ruzaboev was just way too much for Fajera in this one. Um, you know, had I had I had any sort of trust in ruzaboev I probably would have picked him just because it it was such an insane uh, disparity in the height and reach and all that fun stuff. But, uh, you know, it's hard to trust somebody coming in uh, who's just been crushing cans.
1: Um, Uh, You know what? That's another thing that was a concern to me is with him being six foot five, I was afraid his chin might be left out there against someone much shorter with the overhands and the crazy power punches that Fahara has. Mm-hmm. What? Not the case. I was wrong. <laughs> yeah, no, like I said he it, I I
2: when you fought 47 times and you're that tall, I I'm guessing after a while you kind of figure out how to use that height even if you are just crushing cans cuz he damn well knew what he was doing.
1: Yeah, I'm curious to see if if he can, you know, replicate this kind of performance or better. Because 185 is a nasty division. Having, having, having length on everyone isn't a bad thing. Oh, no, that's
2: fantastic. <laughs> uh, I mean, that was uh, the biggest thing that probably got Alex Bahira the title after all, so.
1: Yeah, really. Well, knocking Izzy out in, twice in kickboxing, or knocking <laughs> beating him twice in kickboxing, got him the title.
2: Uh, there, there's a lot of truth to that. There's a lot of truth to that, but. It, it uh, was knowing how to use that link that got him those knockouts in all three times he knocked. Well, the two times he knocked Izzy out.
1: All right, next up, we're going to drop down to the welterweight division. I'm going to butcher this too. Renat Fakredinov. Fuck yeah, Fakredinov. Fakredinov, Fakredinov. Um, man, he. <laughs> He technically submits Kevin Lee with a brutal guillotine choke 55 seconds into the fight. What?
2: Okay, so the question that I have, Eddie, is Fokhar Dinov that good, or is Kevin Lee just done?
1: <sighs> um, can it be both? <laughs> It could be. It could because be because you you look at what 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 he did to was it, who was that Brian Battle?
2: Oh, he ragdolled
1: battle. So when you when you you know you you do that to someone still fresh, and then you choke a, a old school veteran like well not old school but a veteran like Kevin Lee unconscious in fifty five seconds, I think you might be pretty damn good like that's a that's a, he seems that's a tough fight. I don't think many people are going to be signing up for that one.
0: Oh, I
2: I absolutely agree with you. Um and I I I think that it's a, at the very least a little bit of both. Uh cuz won what? Like 20 fights in a row now, you know? I even if you are crushing cans for a good chunk of that, the fact that you didn't trip up during that time says something about you. So no, Fakartinov absolutely is that good. It's just I'm I don't know what to make of Kevin Lee anymore. You know he's he's only thirty, which technically oh, yeah. isn't that old, but at the same time he he started in the sport so young, and he's he never uh, did well with the weight cuts down to one fifty five, uh, and now that he's fighting at one seventy, like he's He's kind of like Nick Diaz in the sense that if there was a 165-pound division, that would be the perfect home for him, something like that. But he's he's too big to be making the cut to lightweight anymore, and he's too small to, to really impose his presence the way he did at lightweight, at welterweight. He's, and it, it, it very well may be that he's also just physically breaking down at this point too. I, I don't know. We didn't get to see enough of him, but he did not look good in his fight with uh, Diego Sanchez.
1: It could be more than that, too, though, right? Because he's someone who kind of bounces around from gym to gym to gym. Mm-hmm. And it's really kind of hard to, to hone in on your style when you're constantly introducing new influences, right? It's hard to perfect, in my opinion. It seems like it would be hard to perfect a system, right? Mm-hmm. Like. I don't know. I think I think where's he at? Was he was he with Henry Hooft here?
2: I'm not 100 percent sure, but the longest one that I can remember him being with was Dewey Cooper. I know he had a good relationship with Cooper. And um, I think they're
1: back. They're back together, I believe.
2: And I know that he was one of them that was really affected
1: when uh, Robert Follis, uh, that tragedy happened. Oh, true, true. I forgot about that. Wow. Damn. Yeah, that's tough. Wow. I feel bad for him. Tons of potential.
2: Yeah, no, I, I, I don't say I, I take zero pleasure in asking if he shot. I, I want him to get back on track, you know, and the broadcast was hyping up uh, a more mature version of Lee. And I hope it's true. It very well may be, but we didn't get to see that just because he got caught so early um, that all we were left with is questions. That's afterwards. the thing
1: is is he was just caught looking the whole time. like He was just watching the jabs joust him in the face, watching the crosses just pepper him. He wasn't moving his head. He wasn't moving his feet. He was just letting it happen. Yeah. I don't uh, know. Kind of yeah. sad.
2: I'm I'm 100% with you. I hope hopefully he can find success. That that's all I'm gonna say.
1: I will say this: whoever was cage side and shouted out "He's out," which prompted the referee to take a close look and start investigating. Uh, all praise to him because he might have saved Kevin Lee's life. The it, way the way this guillotine played out, it looked like Lee was still defending. Yep, that's it, what I thought too. I was I was shocked. I in real time I thought Herb Dean was making a mistake. I thought he was interfering, and I was like, man, if 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 uh, someone lets go, you know he's going to interfere with the fight. He's going to mess the fight up. Mm-hmm. But I had no clue that Kevin Lee was unconscious. So credit to whoever shouted that out. You can actually hear it when you watch the broadcast. And credit to. Mr. Dean for stepping in and actually taking this job serious and being a professional and, you know, making a phenomenal stoppage. That could have been, that could have been really tragic.
2: Yeah, no, absolutely. Um, I'm, I'm not positive uh, if Fokker might've let go right before Dean, uh, encouraged him to do so. Uh, I do know that Dean was checking on Lee at that point, but yeah, that really was one of the weirdest technical submissions that I've seen. Cause I'm with you. I, th- I thought that Lee was still fighting it out because he it looked like he was still tensing, you know, like when you're out, usually your body relaxes and Lee still looked
1: tense. Right. Yeah. It was pretty wild. Yeah, man. I don't know. I don't know what you do with Kevin Lee. I really don't. <sighs>
2: uh, I don't, um, a hardened veteran, like, court mcgee because mcgee might be able to outwork him but uh, yeah i don't know something like that
1: yeah no i think that's that's probably right on the money somewhere in that in that stratosphere Fakratinov, though sky's the limit i think maybe it's time for a a a bigger test maybe like a like a tim means or you know someone someone in that that area
2: I uh, when I was thinking about that earlier I was thinking Gunnar Nelson might be fun.
1: Yeah, but you're going to have to wait at least another year for that. <laughs> you know, he's he is Mr. Infrequent. Very true. All right, let's move down to the featherweight division. Oh. Is it Joe Anderson? Yes. Joe Anderson Brito coming up with a ground-and-pound knockout of Weston Wilson. Um, Insanely fun two minutes and 54 seconds, if I do say so myself. Brito comes out and just starts bombing away and Wilson, with his karate stance, chin up in the air, getting just cold-cocked, flush, ends up going down. But he starts attacking the leg, starts locking up the D-bar. Oh, my. It's actually close. Brito's in hot water. Brito has to defend with putting the foot on the ass and doing the, I hope I can get my, my knee across the center line. And uh, ends up just pounding the shit out of him. You know, Wilson dies on dies on the leg lock, which was probably his best chance at victory here. So no shame in that. Go out on your shield. You gave yourself the best position. You put yourself in, in the best possible position to win. It didn't work out. No, 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 no fault to him. Brito was just on fire. He was he was determined to win this fight. And there was a reason he was heavily favored.
2: Yeah, yeah. Um... Wilson, I, 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 I can't help but wonder if there weren't any other better options to sign for the UFC than Wilson. Uh, but you know, the, the guy proved that he's at least ballsy, um, going for the leg lock the way that he did, and and I totally agree. Normally, uh, somebody going for a leg lock, I think that's a, a terrible decision. I, I think in this case, that probably was the right choice. Uh, you could just the limited movement that we did see of Wilson in the ring or the ring, the cage, you could tell not a great athlete. Um, He's his uh, record is chock full of submission victories. I I think that the Hail Mary was the right approach for him. And it it got closer than I ever expected that it would. Um, But Mm -hmm. Brito uh, defended it and just unloaded on him. Oh, that was violent. Um, But yeah. uh, Did you like Brito's call out at the end as well?
1: Oh, yeah. Um, the weird double middle finger to Dan Ige. Dan Ige, motherfucker. Like, <laughs> what? And and my favorite part, who, who was it Bisping, is like, what's your beef with Dan Ige? And <laughs> yep. Brito's like, it would be a good fight. And it's like, what? There's no real beef? What's going but, on here?
2: That, that was my thoughts, too, because I'm like, all indications are that, that Ige's a nice guy. What the hell's going on here? So, yeah, yeah, but... I, don't know, I, I guess if you want to piss somebody enough to, to, to get them to fight, yeah, that's one way to do it, I guess. I don't know. But um, I, I get the feeling that he's not going to get that fight. He gave one a couple of fights. He's probably going to get a ranked opponent at this point. Um, but if it happens, it'll be fun. But
1: I don't know. It, uh, I, it might depend on how or if EG even responds. If he responds and accepts, then sure. But if he just ignores it, then the call-out might go ignored. Yeah, yeah.
2: The other name he threw out was uh, Caceres. That'd be fun.
1: That would be fun, yeah. Um. I mean, there's a ton of guys. Sadiq Yusuf would be a ton of fun. Yes. But I, I think... Yeah, let's get him. Let's get him a ranked, some ranked opposition. I mean, I I think some of his frustration comes from uh, the difficulty of getting a fight booked, which could be part of the reason that this match was made in the first place, because he, he you know, he's he's having trouble finding people to actually agree to fight him, or at least that are ranked above him.
2: Let's see, who was it that pulled out of the fight? Because Wilson was a late notice. Ashkabov. That's it. Yeah. yeah. Um, that's, whew, those are some big steps up that he's asking for going from Ashkabov to E. Gay or Caseras. But yeah, no, I, the problem is, is you've got all these guys that are on the fringe of the rankings, you know, they've, they're as deserving as about five other guys of getting a shot at a ranked opponent. But you know, it's not like a ranked opponent wants to to fight somebody outside the rankings. It's it's such a painful process to be able to to, to break through like that. So, yeah,
1: yeah. I mean, three first round finishes. It's hard to argue with them, right? Uh, like he, he... Go ahead. Yeah, just three in a row. Like, okay, let's 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 get him some better competition.
2: Well, the, the the painful thing about it though is that the the opposition has progressively gotten worse as he's done it. Because the first one that he finished was Andre Feeley. Right. Feeley's a tough nut to crack, and then Lucas Alexander, and now Wilson, and it's like, ah, crap! You're moving in the wrong way, buddy. Uh, not his fault. I get it. I get that. But yeah.
1: He is moving in, but he, he at least he's padding the highlight reel.
2: He's doing what he's supposed to do. Absolutely. Yeah. Easy, you know?
1: yeah. But the call, was, it was cringy. I had secondhand embarrassment. I'm not going to lie. Well, what are you going to do? All right. Moving on to the women's featherweight division. That's right. The women's featherweight division. It still exists. Carol Rosa, Carol Hosa, excuse me, taking a split decision over Yana Santos, formerly Yana Kuniskaya. Um... Definitely a competitive fight. Um, a lot of clinching, uh, typical Santos trying to make it ugly on the inside, not really going for takedowns as much as just grinding, uh, chipping away with knees to the body, knees to the legs, trying to catch elbows on the break. And Hosa just more uh, punch oriented, really just working, trying to come forward with her ones and her twos. Setting up her overhand, um, but she kind of she was punching herself into the clinch where Santos wanted to be for a lot of the fight, a lot of the first two rounds, and then finally started to find separation as Santos started to struggle getting back into the clinch. So this was really close and kind of came down to how you how you scored the second round. How did Dan? How did you end up scoring this one?
2: Um, I gave it to Santos, but. Like you said, it's one of those that it could have gone either way. You know, I, I wasn't yelling at the TV when it was announced Hosa was the winner.
1: Right. Yeah, I think it. I gave Santos the second round because it really came down to the very end of the round where Hosa punched herself into the clinch just to get put against the cage and grind it on for the closing moment. So it seemed like. It seemed like Santos barely did enough to take it. But, I mean, if you blinked, you would have missed that exchange. So,
2: Yep, yeah. yeah. no, and that's exactly my thought process with it as well. Um, but the the credit to Santos uh, for actually looking like she wanted to be there because in her last fight with Holm, uh, she came out strong for the first two or three minutes, and then after that it was like, okay, I want to go home. So she she actually put forth a good effort this
1: time. Yeah, she fought hard for three rounds. Just she wasn't able to get her entries to the clinch like she was in the in the first two rounds. Yes. Um, Hosa though. You know, I feel like she's gonna get another opponent somewhere towards the bottom of the division, which is about as thin as it gets. I don't know if she has any intentions of going to 35 again. Or if she's gonna, I, I'm not even sure why 45 fights are still being booked.
2: Uh, I believe, was it was this one a short notice contest? I want to say that it was.
1: Um, okay, Macy Chasson was supposed to fight Yana Kuniskaya or Yana Santos, excuse me. Yeah. And so, okay.
2: yeah, Hoso stepped on on short notice, and it, it became the featherweight fight. So, yeah.
1: Okay, that makes sense.
2: Oh, but at the same time, though, I'm with you. I, if if they want to do something like that on short notice, I have no problem with that. I think that makes perfect sense. Um, yeah. But, you know, in, in terms of the future of the featherweight division, you know, Dana White was saying that, eh, yeah, we, we might get rid of it. And there was no outcry at all from the fans with regards to that. So, in other words, I'm with you. I think it's probably going to go the wayside.
1: You think we'll see Santos again, or you think she'll get her walking papers now?
2: That's hard to say, um, because the bantamweight division is so thin. And, you know, she was competitive in this fight. Uh, They they gave Lena Landsberg um, another fight after she had lost three in a row. So... uh, In all honesty, the the question that I have is, does Santos want to follow her husband over to the PFL? So Mm. I I think it's more on her than it is on the UFC.
1: Ooh, that's a very good point. Wow. I like where your head's at there. (laughs) That's, that's, you got a crystal ball in front of you. What's going on here?
2: Uh, All right. Based on my picks, no. no my
1: crystal uh, broken. I don't think mine were good either. But, you know, a lot of upsets. And I'm okay being wrong because I'm surprised, and that's cool. All right, so speaking of being wrong, <laughs> speaking of being completely and utterly wrong, uh, the UFC lightweight division, Elvis Brenner stopping Guram Kutatiladze, In the third round with strikes in a crazy war that he was getting battered for, you know, very long spurts of this fight, especially in the opening round, but never gave up, kept coming forward, ate some brutal shots, got gashed open on the forehead with a nasty elbow, uh, came in with blonde hair, and by the end of it, it's completely red. It looked like he dyed his hair red. The man shed so much blood but just would not stop. Ends up cracking the body late and then swarms Kutatiladzi, gets him to wilt, gets him to fold up, and, and pounds him out. And Wow, what a comeback. What yeah. an upset. Oh, yeah. No, I,
2: I wasn't sold on Brenner before this fight. Like My thoughts were, okay, he, he stole a decision from uh, Tukugov, but who cared because it wasn't that great of a fight. Um, And he's only here because he's uh, Charles Oliveira's buddy. But uh, you know what? I'm happy to say he's totally proven me wrong, man. The the guy's got balls of steel. Um, Like like you said, his face was a crimson mask. His hair was completely red by the end of it. Didn't care. Kept coming forward. Kept pushing the fight at Kutatoladze. God, I hate trying to say his name because I'm miserable at it. But, you know, this was a guy that beat Mateusz Gamrock. Uh, had a close decision loss to uh, Ismagulov. Neither of those two could put him away, but Brenner was able to. Um, hats off to him. And I I like this guy a lot now.
1: <laughs> yeah, he's a dog. He, he's definitely a dog. He's he he has that Charles Oliveira in him. That that you can knock him down, and you can hurt him, and you can pound on him, and you can make him bleed. But he's not going away easily. And if you let him hang around, he it might come back to bite you in the ass.
2: Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. No, I, it's not like uh Cutado Latte was uh, – it, it, it wasn't a terrible performance from him. I mean, it wasn't his best, and I think that has to do with the fact that he continually had fights delayed, and so he kept extending his camp, so he, he wasn't at his peak anymore. I'm not trying to excuse a loss, but um, – he, he looked good at, for, uh, for stretches, at, you know, especially at the point where he did cut him open. Uh, it looked like Brenner very well might have been saved by the bell at the end of the first round. Uh, so, you know, that, that only uh, adds to the feathers in Brenner's cap with him coming back to win this. That was, yeah.
1: Yeah, excellent fight. Superb fight. Um, Brenner just went full Terminator here. And what are you going to do? Yeah,
2: no, I, I don't see him uh, climbing into to challenge for the title or anything like that, but he looks like he could be a, a blood and guts action fighter uh, kind of along the lines of like, say, Drew Dover.
1: Yeah, oh yeah, absolutely. I love the second Brenner got hurt in that first round, he immediately came back with a hard left hook just mm-hmm. to reinsert himself and get some respect back to to not get overwhelmed. He fought so hard it was a great great performance from both guys like you were saying. Garam did great. Just Elvis Elvis had more in the tank later in the fight. Yep. Yep. All right. Well, that brings us to a not so great fight, probably the sloppiest fight of the night. Luana Carolina taking a unanimous decision over Ivana Petrovic. Oh man sloppy is the best word that's the nicest way i can describe this fight yeah Yeah. plenty of effort right plenty of effort just the technique is you know (laughs) yeah yeah no you know i mentioned it
2: earlier in the fight uh contrasting this with uh lipsky and and gato right those two were tight and technical nothing of the sort with regards to karolina and petrovich um Carolina just proved to be uh, the more active striker more than anything, because uh, Petrovich had uh, her moments on the ground, but it, it was her, The fight was clearly lost for her on the feet, 100.
1: Yeah, she had um, she had really close uh, knee bar attempts there in the first round. She had a toe hold at one point that was full on. She had a heel hooks locked in. She just wasn't able to finish them. And credit to Carolina, because we've seen her get knee-barred before. So oh, yes. clearly she's been working on her leg lock defense. And she was able to remain safe and dish out some damage while she was down there. And did enough to win a decision. Was it pretty? No. Did she win? Not, yes.
2: If I'm not mistaken, I think this was one of the upsets of the night as well. Like Wasn't Petru, Petrovic a yeah. 2-1 to, two to one favorite or something?
1: yeah it was pretty tight i think carolina maybe plus one thirty five or somewhere somewhere in those lines not not a crazy uh underdog upset but definitely um definitely oh, one of the uh
2: topology has it listed that uh Petrovich closed at a minus two twenty five favorite so
1: okay they have they have uh carolina at plus
2: one eighty
1: five yeah so yeah decent decent uh cash in if if you picked Carolina. I think no, we both just... picked Carolina here, didn't we?
2: I, I picked, yes, I did pick Carolina. Um, And I think I gained some ground on you on the on the night, but... Dang it. It's not because I, I had a, a great night picking. It's just there were a lot of upsets, and you know, I was able to avoid the pitfalls a little bit better than you did. That's all.
1: <laughs> eh, it happens. Yeah. Uh, I, I go off of luck. I just, you know, I, I have a dartboard... That I flip as a coin, and if it lands, you know.
2: Anyways. I used to do a dartboard, but, dude, I got a 20-month-old crawling around. I can't ever play with
1: those. Ah. No, definitely not. <laughs> or maybe you can just put out the names and see who she goes to or he goes to. I'm not sure.
2: Well, she does like fights. Uh, when she was less than 24 hours old, I did
1: show her her first knockout. So <laughs> What? That's oh, awesome. heck, yeah. Uh, I, there's hope for this for this country after all. Someone tell, <laughs> someone needs to tell Sean Strickland, we are we are on this. <laughs> all right, that's going to bring us to a kind of a weird curtain jerker, I'll say. We got ranked heavyweights going at it. Alexander Romanov picking up a unanimous decision over Blagoy Ivanov. And what was, I got to say, a refreshing fight because Romanov looked like shit in his last fight. So for him to come out here and seem so well-prepared and so well-paced and game for for a a prolonged kickboxing match, it was just so great to see. Ivanov is tough, always has been. Um, but the question mark has been Romanoff. You know, he lost a ton of hype, a ton of steam. So for him to come out here and look as good as he did, at as heavy as he is, I think is a good sign.
2: So I I was kind of worried because if you remember, we briefly saw ripped Romanov, where he had lost a lot of weight, had a six pack. The guy looked good, and he's he slowly fell out of shape. Uh, To the point where, like you said, against Volkov, he he looked like a bag of trash. You know, he said he looked like shit, and I I almost feel like that was putting it politely. But um, I picked Ivanov in this fight in in part because, from what I could tell, uh, Romanov wasn't shedding the pounds. And so I'm like, okay, I don't know how serious he's taking this, uh, so I'm going with Ivanov. But like you said if he wasn't doing the putting in the work physically he 100% was putting in the work mentally he prepared perfectly for Ivanov he didn't try any of the uh large suplexes that he likes to do that just drain his gas tank he was able to fight effectively for for 15 minutes which is the first that we've first time that we've seen him do that and was able to win a, a striking match against a proven veteran. Proven veteran. Uh, Might have been a somewhat sloppy match, but it, you know what? It, it got the job done, and in the end, that's what matters for him.
1: <sighs> yeah, not forcing the takedowns was huge. Um, that's that shows growth. You know, not having to rely on one facet of the sport. You know, this is mixed martial arts, and I understand being a specialist, but you also have to have you also be able to you need to be able to survive in the other areas mm-hmm. so he looked he looked great out there in that respect uh, return to form i'll say it's promising i think is is the right word and he earned his black belt in something tonight i'm not sure if that was jujitsu or what but he earned a, some sort of black belt from his coach so that's cool
2: yeah if it was for anything ground-based not deserved um Kind of reminds me of when Randy Couture got his black belt for submitting James Tony. It's like, really?
1: Well, I don't know if we can say it's undeserved. It's really the journey and the body of work, not one specific moment, right? It's a culmination. In in that
2: sense, yes. In that sense, yes. But it's like, okay, well, want to submit me and get a black belt? I mean, that's kind of what it comes down to because you didn't do anything on the ground. But yeah, yeah, yeah. Just, uh, I I always, I'm not a big fan of, aborting the big the the black belts publicly like that when yeah i mean you want to do it privately or or whatever on the journey that you're
1: talking about totally great but yeah i love it i love it so much that one of my favorite ufc moments is when tyron woodley got his black belt uh and he won he uh i'm not sure if he won the title or he defended the title either way he got his his u f c belt didn't give a shit. he gets his black belt and just starts weeping. It means so much more to these athletes than the championships do it's i it, i i I like being a part of that moment I like seeing it i think it's
2: in that in that sense, I will concede to you that that is absolutely true um if it means you know yeah, I do remember that with woodley it was a good moment. I will concede that to you.
1: It can it can be weird though sometimes like like when it's a predominantly striking performance and it's like wait a minute there is a disconnect there it does it does make things a little wonky and a little weird but that was our opening bout it was a very heavyweight fight but it was a pleasant surprise for me to see Romanov not look like shit <laughs> I guess. did you uh, did you see the bonuses I did not who who were in on that one do you know
2: um, fight of the night I would say is very well deserved, uh, Brenner and Coutada. Ah, yeah. For some reason, that rolls off your tongue much better than mine. <laughs> um, performance of the night. We knew that there was going to be some competition for that. Uh, they ended up giving it to Strickland and uh, Rusaboe. That's it. Mm-hmm.
1: Oh, that's whack.
2: No, I, I'm with you. I, I feel like uh, they should have given out more bonuses. Um, Talker uh, yeah, Dinov, uh, Saint
1: Denis, who uh, was Brito. Yeah, like, yeah. Are, are you kidding me? I th- if you finish in the first round, you deserve a bonus. Oh uh, man,
2: I, I do know that they still have uh, some locker room bonuses, so fingers crossed that that's what's going on here. But yeah, they they did not give. Uh, Anything beyond the four regular performance bonuses. And, and I'm with you. I feel like, no, that, if if somebody has a kick-ass performance, let's publicly recognize it. So yeah. I'm with you. I was hoping for more.
1: All right. Well, that, let's go back to the top of the card. Sean Strickland stopping Abus Magomedov with strikes in the second round, overcoming an eye poke, overcoming some early volume uh, just really proving why he is one of the elites at 185 pounds, and why Magomedov has some growing to do, and he's maybe not quite ready to be at that level yet. Uh, but Grant Dawson, insanely dominant performance against Demir Ismagulov, one of his best showings to date. Might not be the most fun or entertaining for observers, uh, but you can't deny the dominance. You got to respect it. Uh, Michael Morales, breakthrough performance. I think this was huge. Um, Someone so young and up and coming, just putting a stamp on a a proven veteran. That was huge for me. And plenty of first-round finishes. So this was a pretty fun card. I, I think it definitely overproduced. And the cool thing is you can go back and watch a lot of these fights because they end so early. So, Dane, overall, what did you think of this card?
2: Uh, if I were to give it a letter grade, um, hmm. BB plus, you know, it uh, doesn't quite That's reach fair. the A level, but uh, <laughs> I, I think that it would have benefited if there was a little bit more weight uh, in the fights. Um, but lots of, of fun finishes, uh, like you said, uh, ended early. Um, I, I, I think the, the thing that hurt it the most was just the fact that there, there wasn't a lot of anticipation for it. But like you said... It certainly overperformed. I will not deny that.
1: Yeah, I think we might even go have some bonus content on our Substack where we're going to rate and give give a five-star up to five-star rating for each of these bouts.
0: To access the bonus content of this show, you must be a paid subscriber. To do that, go to bloodyelbowpodcast.substack.com and subscribe today.